concerns me that so many believers, and especially many pastors, shun the book of Revelation and pay no attention to it, often claiming they just can't understand it. But the last and final book in the Bible is a vital source of statements concerning the end times and the return of Jesus. So it's important to study the book of Revelation regularly to keep up with what the Spirit is saying to the churches and to understand the times. On top of it all, the book of Revelation makes a special, unique promise that all who read it and hear it will receive a blessing. And so, if we're wise, we'll take advantage of that promised blessing. Revelation is the only book in the Bible that promises that special blessing to those who read it, hear it, and take its prophecies to heart. Yet, tragically, the book of Revelation is the one book in the Bible that believers seem to be afraid of and shy away from. But today, we want to challenge that mistake. The Jerusalem Channel is made with the support of you, our viewers. Thank you for watching. Shalom, I'm Christine Dark. We're living between the first and second comings of Jesus. He prophesied that perilous times will come with upheavals increasing in intensity like labor pains. Jesus warned that lawlessness will abound and many people will be deceived before his second coming. The present shakings are meant to wake us up and to prepare us for the Lord's return. At a time when understanding is most needed, believers unfortunately are ignoring the book of Revelation, but at their own peril. Because many preachers won't touch it with a proverbial 10-foot pole, the church is biblically illiterate when it comes to one of the most important prophetic books in the Bible. The irony is that the book of Revelation becomes easier to comprehend the closer we come to the rapture and the great tribulation. The Bible prophecies coming to pass are becoming more obvious. This world is just not the world we once lived in. Every day is a new disaster, and we're running out of time to warn people to get ready for the Lord's imminent return. It's particularly tragic that this magnificent revelation called the apocalypse is ignored especially since at the very beginning we're told in Revelation 1-3, blessed is the one who reads aloud and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it. For the time of fulfillment is near. So I'm blessed just to be reading this to you today. The pulpit commentary explains that this verse is the earliest authority for the public reading of the New Testament scriptures. Grace is promised to both the minister who reads and to those who hear. It's not enough that we read and hear, but we also, of course, have to hold fast the things that are revealed in the Revelation. Keep them in our minds, affections, and especially in our practice. Trouble is, too many believers and pastors are simply attached to this world. Yet, Paul said in Philippians 3.20, we are waiting with longing expectation for the coming from heaven of our Savior, the Lord Jesus, the Messiah. 
When he comes, he will change believers' bodies of humiliation to be conformed to his body of glory according to the working of his resurrection power. Not all, but some countries allow citizens to hold dual nationality. And by the grace of God, I hold dual nationality in the USA and UK. But we must never lose sight of the fact that born-again believers have our primary citizenship in heaven. Our natural citizenship is earthbound, but our heavenly citizenship is eternal. Citizens of nations are expected to obey the laws, and in a similar way, citizens of heaven are expected to obey the Lord, to live a consecrated life. We are to deny ourselves and take up our crosses daily, following the Savior wherever He leads, always keeping in perspective God's eternal purposes for both the church and Israel, being biblically correct rather than politically correct. One of my favorite Bible verses is 1 Chronicles 12:32, concerning the children of Issachar who understood the times. I want to encourage believers today to be like the children of Issachar, understanding and correctly discerning our times. Let's not get caught short. Jesus said he's coming in an hour when we think not, but he's definitely coming and he hopes to find faith in us when he returns. His last words and prophecy to believers are recorded in the book of Revelation. Surely, he said, I am coming quickly. Well, there are many sound Bible teachers available on the internet who go through the book of Revelation systematically, and it's not hard to understand it. In fact, there's great order in the book of Revelation. I can recommend, for example, the teachings by Chuck Missler of Blessed Memory. He produced a chapter-by-chapter -chapter study that's available on YouTube, as well as Pastor John MacArthur's verse-by-verse -verse study of Revelation. I also recommend the thorough expositions of Pastor Derek Walker of the Oxford Bible Church. If you know the rest of the Bible, you won't be lost when studying Revelation. Most of the imagery in the Revelation agrees with other parts of Scripture, Therefore, I like to say the Bible itself is the greatest commentary on the book of Revelation. People who don't diligently study and understand the book of Revelation are going to forfeit a great blessing, especially in light of the imminent return of the Lord. We are especially the generation that needs to comprehend this book, as I believe we're most likely the closest generation to the return of Jesus. It's important to study Revelation because it teaches the justice of God, that he will judge this rebellious world. Secularism and evolution have brainwashed people into thinking that they're not going to be accountable to anyone, that there's no God to face on Judgment Day, and therefore they wrongly assume that they're free to do whatever's right in their own eyes. Believers need not fear the end of the world which is really the end of the church age coming up, because God has assured us that the end of this age will mark the beginning of a new glorious age, the millennium, in which we will serve and worship the Lord in sinless perfection for a thousand years from Jerusalem. And all of this is explained in the book of Revelation, which is the inspired word of God. And as I said, it's the only New Testament book that includes a promised spiritual blessing 
for those willing to study and apply its message. That's why it's an essential part, I believe, of every believer's devotional life. But those who ignore the book of Revelation are spiritually depriving themselves of great treasure. So we need to keep these teachings of the book of Revelation. And I'd first of all just like to give you an overall look at it in a nutshell. John's vision starts with a glorious description of the risen Lord Jesus walking amongst seven lampstands, holding seven stars in his hand. Each of the stars represents an angel assigned to watch over the churches. The lampstands represent seven churches in first century Asia to whom the Apostle John was instructed to write letters from the Lord Jesus. The Lord's seven letters are found in the first three chapters of the book, and although the letters are messages of commendation or rebuke to specific churches, the messages are also prophetic concerning churches throughout the history of the church. Next, in Revelation 4.1, the Apostle John sees an open door in heaven, and he hears a voice like a trumpet calling him, Come up here! and see what must take place after these things. This verse is considered by many theologians to be a prophetic picture of the rapture of the church to heaven, after which follow chapters dealing specifically with the nation of Israel and the great tribulation. In heaven, John now sees a scroll sealed with seven seals. No one could be found worthy to break the seals to reveal the contents, so John begins to weep until he's told that the Lion of Judah is worthy to break the seals. John turns to look and behold this mighty lion, but instead he sees a lamb who was slain. Now both the lion and the lamb represent two aspects of the ministry of Jesus, his first and second comings. He first came as the Lamb of God to make atonement, but he's coming a second time as the Lion of Judah to judge and to rule this world. As each seal is broken, various judgments are poured out upon the earth, and John beholds a further series of prophetic visions, including the four horsemen of the apocalypse, the anti-Messiah and his damnable mark, the ministry of the two witnesses, the sealing of 144,000 Israelite evangelists, the protection of the nation of Israel in the wilderness, and other visions culminating in the Lord returning to judge the earth, riding on a white horse as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. John watches as King Jesus triumphs, and Satan is bound and imprisoned for a thousand years. John also recorded visions of the great white throne judgment and the new Jerusalem in Revelation 22. Now, one of the most beautiful aspects of the book of Revelation is that it contains seven Beatitudes. In my lifetime, I've heard many sermons on the Beatitudes recorded in Matthew 5, but I've never heard a sermon on the seven Beatitudes in the book of Revelation. What is a Beatitude? It's a proverb-like declaration of blessedness. The gospel Beatitudes of Jesus are universally well-known, such as, Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are the peacemakers, and so forth. But now I want to share the seven Beatitudes of the book of Revelation, which are lesser known, but nevertheless extremely important to understand 
as we see the day of the Lord approaching. The first I've already mentioned is a special blessing. Revelation 1.3, blessed is he that reads aloud and they that hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written therein. For the time is at hand. So let's not make the mistake of saying the book of Revelation is too mysterious or too difficult to understand because we are specifically exhorted to keep its sayings and to be blessed by them. The enemy of our souls always seeks to steal, to kill, and destroy. So he wants to rob us of the blessing that is ours from reading the book of Revelation. But let's refuse to be robbed. Let's purpose to study this book and overcome the evil one. Now, the second beatitude is found in Revelation 14, 13. Blessed are those who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, they are blessed indeed, for they will rest from their labors, for their good deeds will follow them. We all know somebody who was a tremendous blessing in our lives or who had a great influence on us, a godly parent, a Sunday school teacher, a pastor, evangelist, a friend, an intercessor. Even when they die, their words and good deeds live on. Certainly this is true of the patriarchs, the heroes, and heroines in the Bible. This second beatitude in the book of Revelation brings to mind a poem by Hannah Zinnish entitled, There Are Stars. Hannah was a European Jew recruited by the British. She bravely parachuted in Yugoslavia during World War II to assist anti-Nazi forces to rescue Hungarian Jews from the Holocaust. Hannah was arrested, imprisoned, and tortured, but refused to reveal details of her mission. She was executed by firing squad. Israel regards her as a national heroine, and her Hebrew poetry is widely known. Her poem goes like this. There are stars whose light only reaches the earth after they have disintegrated and been extinguished. And there are people whose brilliant memory lights the world after they have passed from it. These lights which shine in the darkest night illuminate the path for us. This poem brought to mind Hebrews 11.4 concerning righteous Abel. Though dead, he still speaks. You see, even when they die, through their memorable acts of faith, the righteous still speak to us. It's important to contemplate what legacy we might bequeath to our children in the world should the Lord tarry. After we're gone, will the light of our testimony still give guidance to others in the dark? Whether we realize it or not, we are influencing people every day. So let's make sure that we are faithful examples. The third beatitude is Revelation 16:15. In this verse, Jesus warns, Behold, I am coming as a thief. Blessed is he who watches and keeps his garments, lest he walk naked and his shame is seen. Several times in New Testament, the Lord's return is likened to the surprise of a thief in the night. But each time, if we read carefully, we realize that his coming will be like a thief for unbelievers, not for believers, because blessed is he who watches. We hopefully won't be caught off guard because we're keeping our robes of righteousness prepared as a bride for the bridegroom. This beatitude speaks of vigilance 
and of keeping ourselves unspotted from the world. We have to watch for the Lord's imminent return while others are sleeping. We must pray always while others engage in trivia. We labor for the Lord while others are idle. We watch and stay sober-minded, attuned to the prophetic times we're living in. The fourth and glorious beatitude is Revelation 19.9. I love this. Then he said to me, Write, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true sayings of God. In the Gospels of Matthew and Luke, Jesus told the parable of the great wedding supper. He said the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a great wedding banquet for his son. Those who were invited made excuses. They couldn't come because they had just bought a piece of land or they'd just married a wife and so forth. All their excuses took priority over the Lord's marriage supper. Now, as believers, let's get our priorities straight and put the Lord first. Many young people are concerned about getting ahead, finding a marriage partner, having children. But the Bible wisely admonishes us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all other things will be added to us. When Jesus instituted the Lord's Supper at his last Passover Seder, he declared that he would not drink of the fruit of the vine again until he partakes of it anew with his followers in the kingdom of God at an exclusive wedding supper. Exclusive only because you have to answer the invitation. Those who are invited can attend, but the invitation has been issued to anybody and everybody from the nations for the past 2,000 years. And truly, those who are called, those who are invited to the marriage supper are blessed. We will be blessed indeed when admitted to the wedding feast due to our faith in the bridegroom, the Lamb of God, Jesus the Messiah. But in Matthew 25, Jesus told the parable of the wise and foolish bridesmaids. Five of them didn't have sufficient oil in their lamps while waiting for the bridegroom to return. And tragically, they were shut out of the wedding feast. So let's meditate often on this fourth beatitude in the book of Revelation. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. There's no greater invitation in the universe. No invitation to Buckingham Palace or the White House even begins to compare. The fifth beatitude in the book of Revelation is full of great theological significance. Revelation 20, verse 6. Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them, but they will be priests of God and of his Messiah and will reign with him for a thousand years. We've got to understand the significance of this verse. It speaks of the blessing of being part of the first resurrection to reign with Messiah during his Davidic millennial kingdom. You see, two future resurrections are described in the Bible. It's a total blessing to share in the first resurrection. The redeemed are involved in the first resurrection, but the second resurrection will be for the damned, those who are eternally lost. After the thousand-year reign of King Messiah, the unredeemed dead will be resurrected for judgment, and that is called the second resurrection. You do not want to be part of that. 
by faith in Jesus, you want to be part of the first resurrection because it says, blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. The second death has no power over them, but they will be priests of God and will reign with his Messiah on earth for a thousand years. The second resurrection is also described in Revelation chapter 20 in verses 12 to 13. John said, and I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were open. Then another book was opened, the book of life, and the dead were judged by what was written in the books according to what they had done. And the sea gave up the dead who were in it. Death and Hades gave up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one of them, according to the works they had done. This group of souls in the second resurrection are unbelievers who will be assigned by judgment to the lake of fire, according to Revelation 20, 15. These are highly sobering words, but we need to know them. Now, the sixth beatitude in the book of Revelation is found in chapter 22, verse 7. Jesus says, Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keeps the sayings of the prophecy of this book. In chapter 1, we were admonished to read and to hear the prophecies of this book. And now we're admonished again to keep these sayings in order to secure the blessings we need to hold fast these biblical teachings without wavering, for he who is promised is faithful. Finally, the seventh beatitude in the book of Revelation is found in Revelation twenty-two fourteen. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter by the gates into the city. This verse is further assurance of eternal life. And what does the expression mean to wash your robe? Well, some manuscripts add the words in the blood of the lamb. And that's consistent with an earlier verse, Revelation 7, 14, which speaks of the saints' robes having been washed clean by the sacrificial blood of the lamb. You see, Messiah's blood is a holy detergent. As the famous hymn goes, what can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. The Lord's blood was poured out on the cross as a final sacrifice for the sins of mankind. By faith, let's let the blood of the Lamb of God wash all our habits, manners, and make us pure. For the scripture says the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all all unrighteousness. Outside of the Bible, many Beatitudes have been composed by various authors such as this one. Blessed are those who renounce their own comfort in order to help others. If you were asked to compose a Beatitude, I wonder what biblical thoughts would inspire you. How about this one? Blessed are those who bless the Jewish people. That would be a biblical saying based upon Genesis 12.3 where God states, I will bless those who bless you and curse him that curses you, Israel. How about this one? Blessed are those who will be eagerly waiting for the Lord when he appears the second time. 
I wrote that beatitude based upon Hebrews 9, 28, which states that Messiah will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Well, he who testifies to these things says, surely I come quickly. Amen. And the response of the Apostle John in Revelation 22, 20 is, even so come, Lord Jesus. In conclusion, my question today is, am I ready? Are you ready? When the fullness of the Gentiles is brought into the church, Jesus will return for his completed church, for his bride, the body of Messiah. And then there's going to be a time of testing through which all of Israel will be saved. I pray for God to give the church his heart for Israel to pray that all of God's purposes for Israel will come to pass. Praying for Israel is part of the command to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Furthermore, Isaiah 62, 6 declares to believers, you who are the Lord's remembrancers, take no rest and give him no rest until he establishes and makes Jerusalem a praise in the earth. Amen. I also urge you without apology to believe on the Lord Jesus the Messiah because this Bible promises when you do, you shall be saved. Amen. Now for your spiritual growth and ongoing edification, we want to draw your attention to our website, exploits.tv, which brings you news on current and end-time events relating to the church and the nation of Israel. And at our website and also at our Jerusalem Channel YouTube site, we offer a library of all of our videos 24-7. And we invite you to sign up for our weekly email called Exploits Ministry, based upon Daniel 11.32, which declares, the people who know their God will be strong, not weak, and will accomplish exploits, meaning will do the works of the Lord in the remaining time before his imminent return. Feel free to share your thoughts with me on social media, and don't forget, download our free Jerusalem Channel app for your phones or tablets. Today, I want to leave you with the blessing of Revelation 22:17. The Spirit and the Bride say, Come. Let the one who hears say, Come. And let the one who is thirsty come. And the one who desires the water of life drink freely. Amen. Until next time. I'm Christine Darg, always contending for the faith and praying earnestly for the peace of Jerusalem. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. Maranatha, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Shalom. When you visit the Jerusalem Channel website, you can watch all our videos with closed caption subtitles. Select the closed caption logo at the bottom right corner of the video screen and select English. At our Jerusalem Channel Facebook page, you can select closed captions in English, Spanish, Portuguese, and Arabic. The Jerusalem Channel YouTube site has closed captions in English.